which is sarx, and the Greek word for body, which is the uh, New Testament language, is Greek. The Greek word is for body. Does anybody know it? Soma, and sometimes you'll see that in spas. They'll say like they have soma treatments or different things. It's just a cool word of saying body. The flesh and the body are the same thing, carne, and the spirit is the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. So how many of you came here with the Holy Spirit on the inside of you? All right, are you having to like look for God and say, God, where are you at? Where are you? No, all you have to do is wake up in the morning and say, good morning, Holy Spirit. Or I like the way one of our elders said it. All you have to do is look at yourself in the mirror and say, hello, Jesus. I love seeing you today in the Joe suit. I love seeing you today in the Nancy suit because the Holy Spirit's right on the inside of you. It doesn't mean that you're God in any way. It just means your body literally is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So if you're looking and, you know, looking at yourself in the mirror, does anybody look at themselves in the mirror? You could just say, I like the way Jesus looks on Joe today. I like the way Jesus is on the inside of me. And you can talk to the Holy Spirit. Now, some people think that's crazy to talk to yourself and address your thoughts to the Holy Spirit, but it's crazy just to talk to yourself. Have you ever even thought about that? That's a spiritual enterprise, you talking to yourself. Animals don't talk to themselves. Have you ever thought about how unique that just is? Have you ever had an argument with yourself? Some people would say that's crazy, but it kind of comes normal sometimes. Have you ever lied to yourself? Oh, y'all getting quiet now. I need to go back to Facebook, see something from 2005, and I'll see you lied about some of your hairdos. You lied about some of your fashion. How many of you were in a relationship and you made the wrong decision, but you lied to yourself? You thought it was the right thing at that time. And so we are spiritual beings. We are inside ourselves in the sense of if you consider your body a part of you, you are on the inside. You are the observer. You know, uh, Descartes was a famous philosopher, and he said, what I'm going to do is start doubting everything that I can doubt. So he said, I can doubt you. You might be an illusion. I'm going to doubt the world. I might be in somebody's dream right now. He started doubting everything. But guess what was the thing he couldn't doubt? He couldn't doubt him as a doubter. Because the doubter was the one observing everything, making the doubts. So he said, I cannot doubt myself while, while, while I'm doubting everything. So that's where he said, I think, therefore I am. That has to be the beginning stage here. Because if there's a doubter, there's a thinker. Now, this is something spiritual because this means we're not just physical. Because physical objects do not think to themselves. You take out the brain, you set it here, it doesn't think to itself. You shake up your brain or, in a way, think about your brain with chemicals and neurons and all of these things firing off like you shaking up a can of pop and opening up and it fizzing. You can make your brain fizz with a lot of electrons and things, uh, electrodes shooting into your brain, but that doesn't give you the perspective of life that you're having right now. That's why we can't create a Frankenstein because the robot or whatever we would do, even if the robot had a flesh, would not be a person. A person is a spiritual being. A person is a soul that lives on the inside of the body. So you drive your body like you drive a car. You are not your car. You parked your car and you got out of the car and you came here. You will park your body one day or God will park it for you in a grave and you will go to heaven or hell. And so whenever you see somebody talking to a grave site, feel sorry for them because they don't understand the Bible. Because there is nothing you are talking to there 
there that can hear you. You are talking to a rock made of limestone, a gravesite, and you're talking to dirt, okay? The person that was once in that body is now in heaven or in hell, and God gives them no permission to talk to you. Now, if you've ever seen an aberration or something come into your room at night that looks like your grandma, that looks like your aunt, here's all you need to do. Don't talk about the recipe she forgot to give you. Don't listen to her to tell you how much she loves you. Just say this, Satanas, in the name of Jesus, I command you to go, and you'll see your grandma screech like she ain't never screeched before. Because demons take on familiar shapes. See, they are a spirit that can take on a familiar shape. And so they will deceive you to make you think your grandma's coming to you. Now, let me ask you something. If a demon came to you as something in a horror movie, what are you going to do? Talk to it and make it your friend? No, you're not a Satanist, so you're going to be scared by that. So how does the demon deceive you? Comes as somebody you love. Comes as somebody you would recognize. And what's the demon going to do? Say, go to hell. No, the demon's going to be like, it's all about you. I love you. I miss you. And then you may say, well, how did that spirit know all these things about my grandma? Spirits are around your grandma. Spirits are around you. Now, they can't be everywhere at, at one time, but the Bible says Satan took one third out of the angels of heaven, which seemed to be in the billions, as the Bible says, a number beyond what John could count. And so there's a innumerable amount of demons around that know these little fun facts and will come and convince you or a psychic or something. But what you need to do is cast it out in Jesus' name. Now, the reason why I feel sorry for people like that is because they think they need to be comforted by grandma, by Aunt Mima. And let me tell you, the devil is a liar. You will get all the comfort you ever need by the power of the Holy Spirit. You learn to pray. You learn to have a relationship with Jesus. He will comfort your heart. He will change your life. That's who you need. You don't need dead grandma to come tell you the famous recipe about the rose con condulas that she died with. You don't need her to come tell you how to have a good marriage and raise your kids. What you need is the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And if you don't believe me, just ask me to come over to your house when grandma be showing up, okay? Just say, Pastor, she comes here around 12 o'clock at night and wakes me up. Okay, I'll wait for her to come and then I'll do it. Amen. In Jesus' name. I love you so much to tell you the truth. I love you that much to tell you the truth. Let's open up to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. I want to encourage you to read your Bible. Can everybody say the Bible? That's the book for me, the B-I-B-L-E, the Bible. We're going through this book. I hope that you're reading it at least once a week. If at the very least, read this passage once a week, the one that we're in right now, chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, read it and memorize it. We'll read uh, verse 3 when we get to it. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Verse 3, let's read together. One, two, three. All of us among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Now you notice that your flesh is an it. Everybody say an it. See, it has desires and thoughts. Are you a he, she, or an it? Shout out what you are. Come on, one more time. Are you a he, she, or an it? Now, we don't believe in he, she's, right? We don't believe in that. You got to get right. You got to get back to the beginning of the Bible. We'll help you with that, and we love you. We don't want to make you feel bad, but you're a he, she, or an it. Is this a he, she, or an it? It's an it. Is your stomach a he, she, or an it? 
Is your brain a he, she, or an it? Is your soul a he, she, or an it? It's a he or a she. You're created in the image of God as a gender. Your body reflects the gender of your soul. That's what God created you as, male and female, and your body reflects that. So let me ask you a question. If your flesh is an it, are you your brain? You're no more your brain than you are your stomach. You're no more your stomach than you are your right eye. And you're no more your right eye than you are one of the tens of millions of neurons in your brain. You're not the chemicals in your brain. You're not your brain. You're not your flesh. Your flesh is an it. But your it flesh has desires and thoughts. Now, I want you to think about this. When God made animals, they are it. They can have a gender, but they are not a soul. They can be a male or a female it, but they are not a person. They are not a he or a she person. Now, watch. You are a level, and it's a big level, above an animal. God made animals of dirt and then made them to live. And guess what? They have thoughts and desires. You kick a dog, the dog will not like it. How many know that that would be me? It can have thoughts. They see brain activity, but they are not a person. You have a body like an animal. Hasn't evolved from an animal, but it's like an animal in the sense you have a brain. You have senses. You are like the rest of the mammals. You have to walk and gather and eat food. You have a digestive system, but you are not an animal because what separates you is not your body from their body. It's not your brain that separates you from them. It is the soul that's in side of your body. That's when Jesus breathed into you and gave you life, and you were made then in the image of God. Now track with me here. At that moment, their body, soul, and spirit was made perfect. So that means their brain was perfect, their stomach was perfect. That means their mind was perfect, their emotions were perfect. And remember, your mind is a part of your soul, and your brain is a part of your body. And their spirit was perfect. That's why they didn't know that they were naked. But when they sinned, they became naked and afraid. The glory of God, which was their covering, shut off like a light Bob turning off, and all they then saw was the exterior of their body. Are you tracking with me? Okay, you were made to be in the glory of God. Now watch this. After Adam and Eve did that, they had babies, and we were born in verses 1 through 3, dead in our transgressions and sins, following the ways of the world like the devil. You don't teach a child how to lie. You teach them not to lie. Can I get an amen? You don't teach them to be greedy. They learn that on their own from their own nature, and you can't just say, well, they got that from their daddy. They got that from their Adam and Eve, great, 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 great dandy grad daddy, okay? So the idea is, is that the cravings of the flesh are off. Our compass of our body is off. And if you just think about all the things your body can desire, like an animal, you can be deceived by those desires. Animal instinct. Think about this. I put before a lion meat, let's say meat, uh, a steak uh, of a cow, or I put before it carrots. What is the lion going to eat? It's going to eat meat every single time unless I train it and brainwash it and break its instinct. But by instinct, every single time, it's going to choose meat. Now, here's the deal. We as sinners started to choose our own sins. We're different than the animal. We weren't forced to do it. We were tempted and kind of led to desire it. Yes, granted, by birth, we were led to desire that sin because of what Adam and Eve did. But then we, like the rest, were by nature deserving of wrath because we chose sin. 
Now let's test and make sure you have free will and you're not an animal or a robot. Think about it like this. Robot, animal, human. That is the difference in, uh, in grades of self-determination. A robot has no self-determination, only does what you program it to do. An animal can have some determination, but it's only determined by its instinct and its greatest desire. And then humans can control desires and can choose between competing desires. I have a desire to run away from the building that's on fire, but I have a greater desire to go save my neighbor. I'm running in. See, we can choose competing desires. That's called free will, and that's why we are the apex of God's creation. We are not a robot. We are not an animal. We are a human, but we're born broken because of sin. But let's see if your choice works. Your choice on the inside, your ability to have free will. Let's see if it works. Everybody raise up your hands with me. Right, Right hand or left hand doesn't matter. Now, whenever you want, put it down. Put down that hand. You chose to do that, didn't you? Your free will is still working. You are now responsible for what you do in life. Let's read on. But by the grace of God, somebody say, because of his great love. Thank you. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgression. So something happened for us sinners. While we were dead, Jesus died for us. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with, raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Your body's in Chicago. Where is your spirit right now? In heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. Is heavenly realms like way over there, like millions of light years away? No, heavenly realms are right here. Realms can connect together. Human realms, uh, earthly realms rather, and spiritual realms connect right here. Your spirit is a porthole for the Holy Spirit to connect the realm of heaven to earth. I wish somebody would get that. Your spirit is a porthole for heaven to come to earth. You are the answer to Jesus' prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You're the earth it starts in. Then it comes to this earth later, but your spirit is a porthole for heaven to come right now to this earth. I hope somebody believes that. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. We are in a fallen age. We are in an age of sin. We are in an age where it seems like the devil has a lot of authority. We are in an age that is now transitioning. It is a shadow land. The king is coming back. The world will change. He will judge the earth and we will shine brighter than the suns. As sons and daughters of God we will be the light of the world and the trophies of his grace, the salt of this earth. You get a taste of that now. As you live for Jesus and the Holy Spirit's on the inside of you, you can show people the love of God. You can show people the kindness of God and all these wonderful things. Or you can keep living in the flesh, showing them the things of the devil. But I want to be a light in the darkness. I want to be a salt in a bland world. Amen? In order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Some of y'all need to show that you got some grace on your face. Come on, let me see what your heart is experiencing on your face. Who's got grace upon their face? Y'all need to get some grace upon your face because that's the trophy that we are for God. The joy that we have in the middle of our suffering shows how good our God has been to us. No matter what we go through, he's worth giving him the praise. So worth saying thank you, telling him how great he is. No matter what you face in life, let God's grace express, be expressed on your face. Amen. I was uh, listening to the story of a martyr that was set on fire, literally burned alive, and the grace of God was all over his face. It says he shone like an angel. 
That's in the book of Acts, by the way, Acts chapter 6. And then some of the New Testament, uh, the early church fathers began to die the same way, burned them alive, burned their children first, tried to torture their children. Very much what happens in Islamic countries uh, right now. I just heard another testimony about a young girl being threatened to death by her family. Her brother was going to kill her because she converted to uh, Christianity from Islam. And yet with joy in her heart, she lived for Jesus. She ran and hid from her parents, ran from home, and is now with the, the pastors living for Jesus. And the pastor said to her, uh, you know, you can read this on the Live Dead Facebook page, Live Dead. Uh, they, they said to her, we are so sorry you have gone through this. And they said, do not, she said, do not feel sorry for me. It's an honor to suffer for Jesus. It's an honor. That's what she said. In order that in these coming ages, we can show the kindness of God. Here's a passage that I hope that you memorize. It's wonderful. It's powerful. We'll be getting to it soon. For it is by grace you have been saved through going to Father Tom, Bishop so-and-so, and to reading your best, your best life now. Is that what it says? For, for by grace you have been saved by going to church a lot, praying a lot, reading your Bible a lot, doing all these good works, being better than Hitler. Well, at least I'm not Hitler. Do I get to go to heaven? For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Do you have that? You better get it. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. He's willing to give it to everyone. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. Am I better than you? No, but if you're going to hell, I'm better off than you because I've let God save me. I let him save me. You know, the wages of sin is death. You have to work at being depressed and upset and busted and disgusted. You have to work your way to hell, but the Bible says the free gift of God is eternal life. If you just let God save you, he'll save you. If you let God turn your frown upside down, he will. If you let God give you a new life, he will. Or you can hold on to the one you have now. You can have a pity patty party, but don't invite me. I'm not coming. I will only come to the Holy Ghost party because there ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because the Holy Ghost party don't stop. Come on. That's all I'm doing, y'all. Now I'll mourn with you. I'll be broken with you in the heart that you have for whatever you face. But then I want to say to you, let's be healed together because I don't want to be broken together. Amen. Not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork. We are God's masterpiece. In another translation, the pinnacle of God's creation, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Somebody say, let's get to work. Amen. I hope that I get to transform the way you look at your life today. I really do. I want this to impact deeply the way you think about yourself. When you look at the passage again, look at this picture and understand this is who you were born as. A spirit separated from God going downstream with the world. Your soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, focused only on that which was sinful or that which was temporarily beneficial, but turned to sin because you made it an idol, and the body with the brain and the five senses. Look at this passage, or look at this illustration as I read the passage again. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, your spiritual soul separated from God. You used to live that way when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. Not that the devil demon possesses everybody. That's a special kind of wicked thing that he does to those who truly open their heart to his evil powers. But like I've taught before, the spirit of the age is the river going downstream with the devil. It's following his mindset like a teen spirit. It's an attitude. And then verse 3, now let's go to the body. 
Your spirit was dead. Your soul was being ruled by the kingdom of the air through that spirit being led that way. Now look at verse 3. And all of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of Adam's flesh, Eve's flesh. No, of the devil's flesh. No, whose flesh was it? Our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Therefore, like the rest, we by nature were deserving of wrath. So not only did you get a bum start because of Adam and Eve, but then you made and I made the bad decision to follow the flesh. And we talked about that, like going to Baxter Robbins, and you choose your own flavors. And when it comes to sin, you have chosen your own flavors. Now, you have to ask yourself this question. Does God want to save me? And this is the me we're talking about. And I believe he does. I believe the Bible. I believe Jesus died on the cross for you because of what we had done. He was merciful towards us. He doesn't want us to be separated from him. He doesn't want our souls to perish eternally in hell. And he doesn't want us to be disembodied and to suffer as a disembodied soul forever. He created us to be born again again, to have a renewed mind and will and emotions, and to have our body be full of his glory. And so now as a Christian, if you like me believe that, you have two options. Everybody say two options. You have two options to how you'll see this. Now, as I taught you before, if you were here when we talked about panentheism versus dualism, there's two ways that Christians can look at how God interacts with the world. As one circle up here being God, another circle down here being the universe, and every now and then he makes visits. We call this the visiting God. Or panentheism, where there's a big circle God, and all of the universe and created order is in God. Now, I have taught you to believe that I think that in God is better because Paul said, in him, we live and move and breathe and have our being. Okay, so we're in God. God is not visiting. I'm not chasing. God is in me, and I am in him. Do you see that? Those of you who were there, that was a review. Not, if not, hopefully you, you caught something because this will be helpful as well. Now you have a choice to how you see being born again. And how many people here have been born again? Okay, you have one of two choices. The popular version is the wrong version, sadly, and that is that your spirit was only born again. So you have something of the life of God on the inside of you, but your soul, your mind, will, and emotions is still jacked up, and your body is jacked up. And so what this means is there's a spiritual you, and then there's like a soulical you, and those two fight against each other all the time. And then you'll feel like you're a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I don't believe that's the Bible because I never believed there was ever two yous. There was only one sinful you, and then there's a you that gets born again. So there's never two yous. There's never two parts of you in that sense. There's only one you. Now, how do we understand this in the Bible? Let's look at Peter. Peter and Paul always compliment each other. First Peter chapter 1 verse 22 says, now that you have purified yourselves, that's the NIV, but what does it say in the King James, which goes more along with the Greek, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. Well, so since you have purified your souls by obeying the truth so that you have a sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. And by the way, heart, soul, mind are all the same thing in the Bible. I don't have time to get into that. But when the Bible says love God with all your heart, love God with all your soul, love God with all your mind, it's describing the same thing. And then love God with your strength. So we can see that God is saying love, love him with all that is spiritual, mind, soul, and strength, and all that is physical 
physical. Remember, there's two realms. There's a physical realm and there's a spiritual realm. Your soul and spirit are in the spiritual realm. Your body is in the physical realm. Your soul interacts with your body. Your spirit interacts with God and is a gateway for the kingdom of God to come through you. I wish somebody would get that today. You all got to go deep. Somebody go deep. Say it. Come on, go deep, pastor. Help me. Oh, man, I want to help you guys, but I need you to get it today, man. I wish, I wish I had another hour, but let me just go to verse 23. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. So we've been saved by grace through faith, but faith comes by the word of God. So it's by the word of God that you've been saved. And that word seed there is actually the Greek word sperma. Now, does that sound like any familiar English word to you guys here today? Sperma. Everybody shout out what that word sounds like in English. Sperm. Now, does that mean a sexual thing? No, it doesn't mean sexual things at all. It just literally means, though, this is the passing of something genetic, though. You have to understand the Word of God is living and active. And the Word of God sows the genetics of God's nature into you. You are intermingled and penetrated by the divine seed of God. Do not think of that in a sexual way. Think of that in a spiritual way. The sperma of God is the word of God, and it penetrates your soul and imparts to you the divine nature of Jesus. Now, that's the truth. You can do with that which you like. But it is in the Bible. First Peter chapter 2, verse 11, moving onward, he says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Well, hold on now. Let's see which one lines up with the Bible. Is my soul still wicked? No, according to First Peter, my soul has now been purified. It has now been penetrated by the seed of God's word. It is saved. And now according to 1 Peter chapter 11, I do have a battle. There are sinful desires, but it's not coming from my soul. It's coming against my soul. So can it be from my soul and be coming against my soul at the same time? No. So what is the desires? Where is the seat of those desires that are warring against my soul? They would be in the body. You guys are learning. You guys are learning. See, Paul goes on in Galatians chapter 5, verse 24, to say those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with it. Are you a he, she, or an it? Are you a he, she, or an it? Shout it out. So you're a she or a he, right? But what is the it? The flesh with its passions and desires. What are you to count crucified? The flesh with its passions and desires. Oh, you mean the flesh has passions and desires? Oh, yes. Just like an animal. Does an animal have a passion? Does an animal have a desire? Oh, yeah, they do. And the difference is you're not a brute beast. You control your physical desires. Let's just go through a few just to make sure you get it. Look at what the flesh wants, Galatians 5, 19 through 21. The acts of the flesh are obvious. This is what your brain and five senses want. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. That's what the flesh desires. Now, you may say, Pastor, let's say we got a dude here. Pastor says, he says to me, Pastor, I'm all good. I'm not angry. And I could go, okay, somebody punch him in the nose. Boom. How many know he just starts to get angry right now? Because what's going to happen in his flesh? His flesh is going to have a fight or flight response. Instantly, brain sends chemicals. Okay? 
Same thing. Put a nudie picture in front of you. Chemicals, release. And this responds to the brain. Now, we have more neuroscience than we've ever had before, and it doesn't contradict anything of the Bible. All it does is confirm the Bible. What they now know in your brain is where all of these things are seated, where all of these natural instincts for the human are at. Your pheromones and your hormones. And come on, ladies, you have special times each month that reminds you of the flesh. Uh, We get quiet when we talk like that, but you know a woman will change. I can always tell when it's that time of the month. I'm like, honey, I need you to be patient now, baby. You know what's going on. This is part of the curse of the, of the sin here in your body. Now, we love our wives, and the same thing with men. How many men get hangry? You come home from work, and I know women can get this too, but come on, men. You come home from work. You don't want to talk. You don't want to play, play the game with the kids. Feed me. I'll play with the kids later. Feed me now. Meat now. Food now. Food now, you know, you know, woman, it's like, you gets none. No, but we feel the flesh. Couple, couple bites later, oh, I'm all good. And now I'm coming up to my wife, mm, I love you so much. You know, I didn't mean that. Just forgive me. Okay? So this is the flesh. Now, what's the spirit? But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, or forbearance, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, rather, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, watch this. Everybody get this. Acts of the flesh fruit of the Spirit. See a different? Acts, something you have to do. How about this scripture? Wages of sin is death. Gift of God is eternal life. You have to work your way to hell. You have to do the works of the flesh to die and suffer in hell. But if you let fruit grow, it will grow so naturally on the inside of you. You let God save you, he'll bring you joy. Well, Pastor, I just can't get no joy because you're trying the wrong thing, sister. You're doing the wrong thing. Stop acting. Stop act. Stop trying so hard. Let God bring you joy. Well, I tried and it didn't work for me. What, you calling God a liar then? That's what I'm going to say. Would you call my God a liar then? Because he said he brings fruit of the Spirit. He didn't say I have to cultivate it and make it grow. He says it starts to grow. Wherever that Spirit is on the inside of me, fruit of joy comes to my mind. Fruit of peace comes to my mind. Fruit of self-control comes to my emotions. Fruit begins to grow. You have to work your way to hell, but you can get a free gift to heaven. You can let the gift and the fruit of the Spirit change your life. And see, that's the problem that we have is because, now watch, 19 through 21 of Galatians chapter 5, flesh. What comes after verse 21? 21, 22. Y'all up today? 21, 22. So 22 and 23 is the spirit. What comes after 23? 24. And what does he say? Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires, with its attitudes, with, it, with its self-hatred, with its pity-patty, with its sexual desires. So are you your brain? You're not your brain. Are you your desires? Are you a he, she, or an it? So are you this? You're not a passion. You're not a desire. Well, pastor, I was born with this desire. doesn't matter. It's not you. Get born again. Be who God made you to be. Everybody has its 
inside of them, passions and desires that go against what God wants. Everybody. The flesh must die, and you must receive a resurrected flesh. That's why Jesus raised from the dead. He could have ascended as a disembodied spirit and went returning to heaven as he always was, the Word, the Spirit, the Son of God. Why did he forever join himself with humanity in resurrected flesh where you can now touch the nail piercings on his hands, the, the, the scars on his side? Is because you needed that DNA. You needed that seed from that resurrected flesh to come to the Word through you and then to be raised up like him. If he don't have flesh, you don't get new flesh. Let's put it that way. And through him being alive in resurrected flesh is how we will live eternally with resurrected flesh. Verse 25, let me go again for verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus. How many belong to Christ Jesus? Then you have done this then. Amen. You have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If you haven't, be obedient and start now. In verse 25, since we live by the what? The Spirit let us keep in step with the Spirit. So that's why every day it's a spiritual life. Every day it's a spiritual life. What am I supposed to do when I wake up in the morning? Ask my flesh how I feel or ask the Holy Ghost what he wants me to feel? See, that's why you're all waking up all the time confused because you're listening to your flesh. You're listening to your earthly brain. Now, I got to stop right here and get real deep on you guys because I have some of the greatest medical work right now in neuroscience on my, my, my phone, and I wish I could give you a lot of quotes, but I got the Bible, and that should be enough. But let me just tweak your interest just here a little bit. You can watch a TED Talk on a man who's done more brain scans than anybody else. He's done 60,000. He's not a Christian. His one TED Talk is this, what I learned about the brain after 60,000 brain scans, and what did he learn? The brain can change by the mind. The mind can change the brain. Look up neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity. We once thought that the brain was a solid state. It didn't change. If you were born with brain damage or had a stroke, it couldn't be recovered. If you had things that were in your brain, you would be an animal of instinct towards them. But they are now knowing that through concentrated, what they call cognitive therapy, the mind changes the brain. This is not new age. This is the Bible. This is the Bible. Depression comes from your brain. You are not your brain. The leading expert, Dr. Jeffrey Schwartz, You Are Not Your Brain is his book. He is the leading expert in OCD. What he does, the very first thing with OCD's patients is tell them this, you are not your brain. Just by telling them that, they begin to get free. Then he does cognitive training therapy sessions with them where he shows that the brain is elastic and it can change as they do these brain exercises exercises. But where does it come from? It comes from the spirit. It comes from the soul. He is asking the spiritual person to not believe what they call deceptive brain messages. Your brain can send deceptive brain messages. Like I said, if you don't believe that, look at your high school picture and all the deceptive things you used to believe back then. Look back at the life of all the relationships that you've had and all the deceptions you believed to think those people were good for you. A deceptive brain message sounds like you. Why? Because it comes through the same corridor into your soul as any old thought does. And so what you have to learn to discern is your own thoughts. Don't believe everything you think. Don't meditate and set your attention on every emotion you feel. They can be deceptive. Your body through its senses and a brain can deceive you. And the Bible said, count it as crucified. 
Well, thank you, Jesus. You've just saved me a trip to the counselor. And those who are going to counseling, I just saved you the next 10 counseling sessions because as you go now, you can get out of there earlier and be free because if they're reading the top research on these categories, they will say your pastor is teaching you the exact truth. And if they tell you that I'm not teaching you the truth, have them call me legitimately with you on the phone and I want to know what research they're listening to because this is the cutting edge research of neuroscience and doctoral journals. And the two people I mentioned to you thus far of the brain scans and the OCD, neither one of them are Christians. The Bible says that you have a born-again nature on the inside of you. Can I quote to you some scriptures just real quick? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Those who are in Christ are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. You are a new creation. There aren't a bad you and a good you. There is a new you and a flesh, and you're going to crucify that flesh. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made him, talking about Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him, in that relationship of being born again with him, we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Then we move to, we read First Peter today, then you move to Second Peter, and it says, through his great and precious promises, he has given us the ability to participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption based on this world. So think about those scriptures that we said also in Ephesians. You're saved by grace, created in Christ Jesus, and are the masterpiece of God. Let's put them with the ones we learned in Corinthians. A new creation and the righteousness of God. With Peter, the divine nature inside of us partaking of him. Do you get the picture of what the Bible is saying to us? You are as a spiritual soul, not supposed to live by your physical body anymore. And we'll get to this passage in Ephesians and give it its proper time very soon, but I want to close out by reading from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24, and how many have been reading the book of Ephesians? A few of you, hopefully. Watch how Paul says this. Now, get this. I took you from Ephesians 2 to other passages. Now, I'm bringing you back to Ephesians 4, but let me remind you of Ephesians 2. You were born dead in your transgressions and sins. You followed the ways of this world and were by nature an object of wrath because you followed the desires and cravings of your flesh. But Jesus, because of God's riches and mercy, Jesus raised us up with him when he was raised from the dead. And we've been saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves, so we don't boast about it. But we are God's handiwork, his masterpiece, the pinnacle of his creation, created to do good works while we're in this body. Now watch what Paul says later on, chapter 4, verse 22. You were taught. Oh, when was I taught, Paul? Well, earlier in this letter I was taught. And Paul, when you used to be with us, I know you used to teach us this. Watch. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by what? Its desires. Are you a he, she, or an it? Come on, are you a he, she, or an it? See, you are born again. You are told to take off your old self. You are told that your flesh is corrupted because of its deceitful desires. And now verse 23, uh, 23, you are to be made new in the attitude of your mind. Where's your mind? In your body, soul, or spirit? It's in your soul. Be made new in your soul. 
in the attitude of your mind. Hallelujah. And put on the new self. Put on the spiritual self. Watch this. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Am I trying to make myself righteous? No, I'm just putting on righteousness. Am I trying to make myself holy? No, I'm putting on holiness. Do I have to make myself have a new mind, give myself a brainwashing? No, I just need to put on the new mind, the mind of Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I am so thankful today that salvation is simply a picture of someone taking off the old clothes and putting on the new. Wouldn't that just be like our God? Wouldn't it just sound, just doesn't it sound satanic to you for a God to say, if you really want to be saved, pray five times a day towards a rock in Mecca? Doesn't it just sound like a demon to say to you, make an idol with a six-armed monkey created God and bow down to it and and worship it like they do in Hinduism? Wouldn't it just seem like a demon to tell you live according to your flesh and your sexuality and try to find free? Doesn't it all just sound demonic? Now listen to the Holy Spirit. Take off the old and put on the new because Jesus died for you. Think about that. Your flesh was crucified with Christ on the cross of Calvary. That's the good news of the gospel. It's not coming to a whole bunch of works to become a new person. It's come and die that you might live. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. By grace through faith, what is impossible is now possible. New creatures are among us right now. Literally new creatures. A new creation is the promise of God to all of us. But some of you haven't taken it yet, and Jesus is saying, come, let me save you. Receive the gift. Stop working for sin. Stop acting in the flesh, and you'll be changed. I was changed in a moment. Now, some people say, well, Pastor... Do you always act like the new self? No, because when I'm tempted, I sometimes believe the flesh. What are other examples when I believe the flesh? When I eat too much? When I get mad at my kids for being kids? There's a lot of things that I do when I'm deceived by the flesh. But do I make an excuse? Do I then identify and say, well, I am my nerves. I am my attitude. No, no, no. I repent. And I turn from that flesh, that way of living, and I say, God, keep me in the newness, righteousness, holiness. I just want to end with this today. You can be made new. You can be made new. Jesus said it like this, when you know the truth, the truth shall make you or set you free. 
This is the truth of Christianity. This is the argument that you're having right now with God if you haven't been born again yet, is you're maybe saying it's too good to be true. See, that is disbelief towards our God and Savior. If you think salvation is anything less than Christ giving you his righteousness and a new self and a new creation and participation in the divine nature and being made the masterpiece of God, if you think salvation is anything less than that, you are looking at the cross saying that is not good enough for me. But for those of us who believe, we can tell you this works. This is the truth. I tried on my own to give myself a good life through the flesh. Now, for me, my flavor of sin was a whole lot of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, man. And that's what I tried to do. And people look at me now, they go, there was no way you were that bad. Listen to me. Two of my friends committed suicide. A couple other of my friends went to jail for a very long time. We were in the suburbs, but we were crazy. But it only took, listen to me, it only took from 15 to 18, three years for me to lose my mind, want to go into mental hospital, had an STD, an STI. Like I said, my friends were losing their lives. I was arrested eight times. My mother and father had to kick me out of their house. And at 18 years old, literally, I said, if this is living like this, like how Cypress Hill is living, if this is, if this is what Snoop Dogg's life is really like, if this is what these dudes are getting, man, to hell with this. Now, you may have a different flavor of sin, but I'm telling you, your flavors of sin cannot be with the fruit of the Spirit that my God gives me. There is joy unspeakable in the presence of God. I do not have to listen to your argument. You better listen to my experience. If you think your argument of your problems is going to change my experience, it never will. You may say, Pastor, I tried it and it didn't work. You are lying. I'm just telling you, you are lying. Because I was there. This November 5th will make 22 years. And Jesus Christ set me free. Not 12 steps. It was one step to Jesus. One. Never did drugs again. Never got drunk again. And my children will never know that, Joe. Because that man is crucified. Don't you tell me it doesn't work. You come to Jesus humbly, and you take off your old self. You deny it, and you say, I don't want it. I want Jesus, and you will be saved. You will be saved. I promise you that. You don't take it lightly. You take it seriously, and you will talk to other people here today, and they will tell you their testimonies. They will tell you their testimonies that Rachel brought up in a Christian family knowing Jesus as a little girl but had to get saved on her own through her own decision. My wife, who never had sex before marriage, never drank, uh, never smoked, none of those things, she knew she still was a sinner who needed to be saved. You make that decision and you will see what righteousness feels like. You'll see what holiness feels like because that's what God designs you for. One day we will see him face to face and he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. So whatever you're going through today, let's say you're a Christian and you say, I've done this, but there are times where I battle against my flesh. That may be very true. You listen to me. You die to that. A thousand deaths if you have to, but you choose the spiritual life every single time. Because I'm going to heaven with a testimony that I've never cheated on my wife. 
I'm going to heaven with a testimony that 1997 was the last time I looked at pornography. I'm going to heaven with a testimony that 1996 was the last time I had to fight somebody. That, that is going to be my testimony. That will be yours if you want it. How many want freedom in Jesus' name? How many want to live righteous and holy? Would you stand up with me now and give it up for Jesus? Come on, let's give Jesus the greatest hand clap. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Come on, we're praising God today for a new life. Banded altar workers, would you come, please? Just thank him if you're already saved in an attitude of prayer because I'm going to give a chance for those who haven't been saved to do so right now. If you have not been saved, we're glad that you're here. We want you to be saved. We want you to confess Christ as Lord today. While we're praying and being thankful, we're asking you to come to Jesus and repent of your sins and see what we have found. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be answered. Ask and it shall be given. All of us can be saved today, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, changed from the inside out. All of us, by the grace and mercy of God, can be loved and forgiven and raised with Christ. Those of you who are not saved, would you do it now? It's a letting go and a letting God. You work your way to hell, but you let God save you. Oh, come on. You do the works of the flesh, but you receive salvation. Just open your heart and say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins, the things that I chose to do against your will. Come on the inside of me and make me new. I count myself alive to you and dead to the flesh. Those of you who right now are saved, and you say, Pastor, man, you know, the way you talk about it, it sounds so easy, but it's not easy when I leave here. I want you now to repent of your unbelief. I do. I want you. I say that because I love you. Repent of your unbelief. Do you think God is hiding your freedom in some profound mystery where you have to study it for 20 years? Do you think God is teasing you with these things when he says you're the righteousness of God and there's a new you? I mean, do you think our God would play with your emotions this way? Friend, repent. Maybe you've believed another way. Maybe you were discouraged because you started doing religious works and you thought that by doing a religious thing, you would have more spiritual points. Repent, because I want you to believe with me today that it is that easy. Do you know what Jesus said? Somebody says, oh, nobody's ever said it was easy. Well, you haven't listened to Jesus then. I'm going to quote Jesus to you as I pray right now. Any one of you heavy laden and burdened, come unto me, and you shall find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my load is light. My yoke is easy, Jesus said. And my load is light. Oh, it's so easy to live for Jesus. I know we've heard it said and it sounds spiritual. It's so hard. It's so hard. It's a battle. Oh, but my friends, it's the greatest battle I've ever fought because he said I'm more than a conqueror. I didn't even have to fight it. All I had to do was show up and he said I was victorious. That's the easiest battle I ever fought. You're more than a conqueror. Well, Jesus, I got I to gotta do more things, Jesus. No, 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 no. Do you believe what he said? You're more than a conqueror. 
Come on, as we're praying, I'm preaching. Come on, pray as I preach. Come on, some of you need to get that. Get that in your spirit today. I'm more than a conqueror. Oh, yeah, I, I feel something when I say that. Feels like seed is coming in my soul. Feels like I'm getting penetrated by the life of God. I'm more than a conqueror. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Woo! Hallelujah! Glory! Come on, a few more moments. Get it today. Receive today. Receive it a few more moments right now. Just lay it on his feet. Lay it at his feet. Confess a sin. Confess whatever it is. We're not judging you today. We're not making fun of you. We're just telling you there is freedom. There is freedom. There is freedom. A few more moments where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. Would you sing that for me, please, Rachel? Before one person lays a hand on you and prays, because we always do altar time here, I want you to know you can receive freedom without one person praying for you because your God loves you that much. He raised you with Christ. He wants your body to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. And if today you can just say, I believe I am who he said I am, you will be who he said you are. You will live it out today. You don't have to see it first to believe it. Believe it first and then you'll see it. That's how it works. Believe it first. Take him at his word. Addictions are broken. Did not the Bible say the fruit, one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control? Addictions are broken in Jesus' name. I have seen so many smokers set free from these habits at these altars. I have seen many of them. Some of them are pastors now. I've seen them grab cigarettes out their car and step on them at these altars few more moments. Do you want to live free? That's what you were made for. I think everybody here got it. I'm telling you, I've let my eight-year-old start coming to the church now, and they get it, man. It is so simple. You were born an object of wrath because of your sinfulness. God made you new on the inside. Now count your flesh and temptation dead. It is that simple, and those who believe it will live it. 30 more seconds. I know it may be awkward for some, but we're not weird. We're just wired into heaven right now. I just want somebody to receive it that hasn't yet. And I don't want them to say a preacher did it because it's not me. It's the Holy Ghost. Not one person's prayed for you yet. We're letting you experience God. We're letting you get free. Being made new in the attitude of your mind right now. Your attitude can change right now. Just look up at me, please. I got to share this. I just want to talk about attitude just real quick so we can get an, an understanding of this. When I was a sinner, I never cried. Never. My friend walked off a cliff on LSD, never cried. My other friend hung himself, never cried. My other friend shot himself, never cried. Never, never, never cried. Drugs, alcohol, partying, that's all I did. Now watch this. Jesus changed my attitude. I would come to church and I couldn't stop crying. It literally felt like rivers were flowing through me, purging everything out. It was the most therapeutic thing I ever experienced. You would think, okay, well, you got saved. You were on drugs. You needed that. 
Two days ago, I was riding my bike in this 30-degree weather. It was crazy, okay? I had so much snot coming out of my face. I don't mean to be gross, but I was wiping everything on like this, and it was full of my rag. Like, my things like this was like a rag full of, of snot. It was nasty. The last thing on my mind was to ever be emotional and start literally snotting up again because I'm going to cry like a baby. I am riding my bike. What am I doing? What am I doing? Riding my bike. Riding my bike. I mean, it's just freezing. I'm doing this because I'm a man. I want to do this. And then I'm watching a preacher, and he said, God can change men into fathers. And he said, if you never saw the example of a father, I want you to come up here so I can pray for you. And while he was still talking, a man came up. He jumped up off the stage, the pastor did, gave the man a hug. They both started crying. I started weeping watching this, right? But it wasn't even just me weeping for the pastor hugging a man that now wants to be a father, which, by the way, I would never have cared about in my own attitude. It had nothing really to do with that. As I'm seeing that, I'm thinking about my heavenly father. I'm thinking about what God has done for me in my life as a father to my kids. Then I start thinking about all the fathers in this church. Then I start thinking about my father. I literally had a spiritual download within 30 seconds watching a man and two men hug. How do you explain that if not for God? Why would I be so emotional just like that in seconds from thinking about God, my father, this father, Ishmael, and other fathers? Why? Because my attitude has changed. I could tap into what the Spirit was doing in that moment. What did I just get? It was just a random bike ride, but I called a revelation of fatherhood. Just fatherhood downloaded. And the problem is you guys aren't getting the downloads. And that's the problem. You're, you're thinking there's something special about me. There's only one thing different in this situation is that I'm, I'm coming to the Spirit every day. It's the corridor. It's the door that opens the dimensions up between this world and that world. What do you need a download of today? Maybe you need a download of fiscal responsibility. Maybe you need a download of purity. Maybe you need a download of your mind being free from depression. You need a download of joy. Maybe you need a download of confidence. You know what confidence means? It means confide, faith. And that we don't have faith in ourselves. We have faith in God. You need a download of all of these things are coming by the Spirit. And it's like, are you tapped in? I was riding my bike, rocked on fatherhood, put it in my journal. Another day I'll never forget with Jesus. I've had so many of those times. Just so I could just list. I have a journal just full of encounters with God. And I never know when they're going to happen. I have no idea. Just boop, boop, boop. He's like downloads. Boop. I felt God in my life because I've been born again. We're going to end the service. I know I've been a little late. These prayer workers are here to pray for you because they want to be a corridor as well. If you just need encouragement, we're not here to put you down or look down on you. Let somebody who's gone through their testimony, let Brian tell you his, you know, let Catherine tell you hers, Joe B., etc. You know, this, this sister right here is fighting cancer right here. She's got more joy than guys I know who face a cold. She's fighting cancer. She comes to church and praises God. She loves Jesus. Why? Because she's not her body. She's not her brain. She's a born-again spiritual soul that said, body, you will praise my God. If the last thing you do on this earth, body, is praise my God, that's what you're doing. Because she knows she gets an upgrade. Oh, I'll preach it again. Are you ready to start the service again? Because I'm ready, brother. I'll preach this whole thing again. 
Oh, Father, thank you for this wonderful day. Our excitement is in you. May it be true as we live every day of our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Slap your neighbor high five and say, live the new life. Live the new life. It is true. Come on up for prayer. Otherwise, be dismissed. Thank you for coming. God bless you. Come on. I could never take credit for this. This is what God is doing. Yes, this is all that it's about today is God's grace. God bless those who have to go. We'll see you at life groups. Otherwise, pray and worship with us. This is the after party. I'm experiencing things. And I'm experiencing things. I never could have dreamed that it would be this good. When I was 18 years old, I never could have imagined it to be this good. I'm high on Jesus and I'm never coming down. Is there anybody else today that's being caught up in the love affair of God with humanity? Come on. I never imagined it could be this good. 